So those of you that don't know, part of the leadership team here, but when Kurt Pearson first took over uh, back in 2000 or so, uh, he made it very clear that he wasn't going to do this alone, that he wanted his elder team to be a part of beating uh, the flock that was set before him. So that's part of our job too, once in a while, to, to get up and, and speak to you. I've been with Crossroads since 2000, or 99 actually. So it's been a, a few days that I've been here. And John, and my name is Andy, by the way. And I'm John, he doesn't like me. And, uh, and uh, I, I was at Cyprus before for about the same time frame about 2000 and I came over with our, our marriage as Matt likes to call it so uh, we're excited to be in front of you guys today um, yeah. so we're excited to be in front of you guys today um, sharing God's word that's exactly what it is. And at any point, it's not God's word, it's us. Um, just blew us off the stage. <laughs> so, we're going to uh, continue our series in Luke on bringing Jesus into focus uh, in 2020. So our passage today is from Luke 14, 25 through 35, and the cost of discipleship. So uh, starting in verse 25, now great crowds accompanying him and he turned and said to them. Now we'll pause right there and just talk about large crowds. Um, large crowds often followed Jesus. We read this uh, in previous verses in Luke. Um, some because of the miracles, some because of his teachings, and some to be like him. We today like these large crowds, as you can see today. Um, <laughs> University of Michigan Wolverines football team is the largest in the United States, the stadium, with a capacity of 107,601 seats. We don't quite have that here today. Not, <laughs> if we had the people, we'd find the chairs. <laughs> I'd have to shame. Um, Lady Gaga has the most Twitter followers at 81.7 million. And the most visited national park in 2019 was the Great Smoky Mountain National Park, which borders North Carolina and Tennessee with an average of over 34,000 visitors each day. Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas is one of the largest megachurches in the United States with over 4,000, sorry, 40,000 attenders every weekend. So we sure do like being part of large crowds. Um, and just like we said, other passages in Luke, Jesus is surrounded by large crowds following him. So this is good, right? It's good that bigger is better. Uh, wouldn't it be awesome if, if Crossroads got to 500,000, 10,000? No. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We're gonna read on. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife and children and brother and sister, yes, even his own life cannot be a disciple of mine. Wow, are we really supposed to hate each other? No. Um, 
The answer is yes, but not in the way we understand the word hate. Uh, this hate that is talked about is, is learning to love God more than our spouse, more than our kids. We have to learn to put God first. And I'll do anything, and, and loving God means that you'll do anything he says, no matter what my family says to me. Amen. Uh, we understand that because God, we are here. Only because God, we are here on earth. And so we have to learn to put God at a higher level than, than I, I put John or my wife. Uh, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read Matthew 22, verse 36, which says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord with your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest, this is the greatest, uh, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So we need to understand that there is no contradictions in the Bible. Okay, we can talk about hate, but it's it's a different kind of hate from what we're seeing, like Andy said, um, today. So when I got married, I vowed to love my wife. This meant leaving all past relationships and cleave to her. I would hold her only and in such a way that the way I honor her and separate myself to be a devoted spouse is going to make like I hate all other women by comparison. Amen. That does not mean that I must go around hating other women. Okay? It should be obvious, especially to her, that she is my wife. Amen. He is our God. Exodus 20, 12 says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land, and that the Lord your God is giving is giving them. Exodus 21, 17, Whoever curses his father or mother, should I say that louder? <laughs> Whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. By the way, we had a lot of young adults here setting these, these chairs up this morning. That's that's fantastic. Thank you. All right, we're moving on to verse 27, which says, Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. This requires self-denial daily. In the Roman era, this was the most painful and humiliating form of execution. Yes, execution. So in our walk with Christ, we, we should expect painful and humiliating situations daily. Not that we will have them, but we should expect it. Through this, we will also see growth in a deeper dependence on him. Uh, this is the key to making God first in our life. We must remember to pick our cross up daily and follow him. So what does it mean to pick up our cross? Let me read a little uh, blurb out of a Nothing is impossible for you and Christ to do together. The key is the condition of your heart. If you truly love God with all your heart, you will be in the right relationship with him. The Christian life is Christ living out his life in you just as God lived through Christ 
God's word says that Christ is the key to living a godly life. Um, if you don't pick your cross up daily, what happens is without even realizing it, you say, and you fill the blank in, God, I'm going to put this in front of you today. You may not consciously say that, but without picking up your cross daily, that's kind of what you're doing. Um, if we don't choose to spend time with God, then then we are putting Him, putting something else first. And, and let me let me make it a little more personal. Uh, if if I get up in the morning and I go throughout my morning and I don't say anything to Cindy, she came up and prayed with us this morning. Uh, and at some point during the day, she's going to come up to me and say. What in the world did I do that you're not even wanting to talk to me today? And I'm going to have to talk to her at that point and say, this is what happened. And I'm going to have to make that right. Um, so where I'm going with this is we, we have to make our relationships intentional. If, if I want to know Christ, I have to spend time with him. Um, and if, if all I do is know about God, how am I being a, a positive influence for Christ? Uh, and, and the same thing with my wife. If I'm not spending time with her day in and day out, all we have that we were just acquaintances. Uh, I know about her, but I don't truly know her. And that's the same thing with Christ. You have to spend time with For which of you desire to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. So what does it look like to weigh the cost of discipleship? Is it just telling people that you're a Christian? In Matthew 12:33, it says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. So the question is, have you truly weighed the cost of being a disciple for Christ? Are you the same person sitting here that you are when you get in your car and go home? Who do, who do the people that hang out with you all the time see? this person or somebody different in James chapter 1 verses 19 through 26 I uh, hearing and doing the word know this my beloved brother let every person be quick to hear slow to speak slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce righteousness of God therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word for soul but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently into his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes about, goes away and at once forgets what he looked like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being 
no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. I'm going to share a story with you. Um, while growing up, my, my oldest child, Grant, he's not much of a competitive person. I can remember while in soccer, football, or wrestling, some of the many sports he did, I, I think I was more competitive while coaching or, or watching when he played his sport. If he lost a wrestling match, it didn't seem to phase him much. He always tried his hardest and did well, but none of these sports seemed to captivate him. So when Grant was a freshman in high school, he came home with a strong desire to play tackle football. As it turns out, one of his teachers was my sophomore football coach, having gone to the same high school. And his classroom was decorated with all the teams and players that he coached. I'd love to sit here and tell you that I was a star football player, but the reality was I was pretty average, but I enjoyed it. Um, nonetheless, I was on his wall and Grant saw that photo. Melissa and I knew immediately that this was emotionally driven and he was not thinking this through. But, how, but we couldn't talk him out of it. And our stance was always, if you started a sport, you'd finish the season in that sport. So Grant started his football career. Well, it lasted all of a few days. Melissa and I gave in on one condition. He would have to talk to um, face to face with the football coach and inform him of his decision. It was difficult, but he did it. And, and a short time later, Grant saw a booth on campus for, trap, for the trap shooting club. This captivated him. It was about, and the commitment it would be, he joined for that season and continued on for all four years of his high school career. Um, the very last shoot of his high school career as a senior, he went to Las Vegas of all four years. As he, as he uh, again counts the cost, he's now moving to North Carolina with his lovely bride, Sydney, to pursue gunsmithing school, something that continued on from that decision. So not counting the cost is foolish before we get into things. Um, so not counting the cost is foolish. And when we start something and not finish it, it's, it's embarrassing. To sign up as a disciple and not follow through on this commitment is embarrassing not only to you, but to God's kingdom. Before we become Christ followers, we need to be fully aware of the entire cost. God does not promise that you will not suffer, but quite the opposite. Health cost. All right, verse 31 through 33 says, Or what king, going out to encounter another king in war, will not sit down first and deliberate um, whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000. And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. So a good king who puts his people first will rightly decide between war and peace. A good disciple We'll use the resources we have, God's written word, prayer, and wise counsel. 
in a sermon by my, my good friend, the great Dr. Terry Duckett, for those of you who know him, <laughs> I can remember him explaining to us that God's blessings flow through us only if we keep open hands. When we grip them tightly and think that they are our own, we lose out on the blessing it has on others. The same example can be used for the material things of this world. If we keep a grip on them, then we're placing a higher value of this dying world than being a disciple of a lasting kingdom. But if we keep an open hand and they are just tools, that's how we're meant to use them. The cost is complete surrender to him. Are you willing? Luke 12, 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. This doesn't mean sell everything, but that we are to share our wealth. Do not hold tightly and instead store up the heavens of earth. Amen. As I was studying for this, um, it was very clear that, that I'm not in charge of going setting up fights or wars and it made me think back many years ago when I first started working with the city of Sacramento I, I made a friend and he and I were uh, attached at the hips we did everything together we worked together uh, we rode our bicycles back and forth to work uh, we camped our families did and we were known as the jokesters of the group that we were in and we talked a lot about the importance of our kids knowing who God was. Uh, and we were on the same page. And, and about seven years went by, and uh, something very drastic happened to me. Uh, my father-in-law, which I loved dearly, uh, wound up getting stage four leukemia. And he was a, a self-made man. He had read the Bible multiple times, but he didn't have a, a personal relationship with Christ. And uh, the, the night before he went in, he was in the hospital, and they were going to do some surgery on him to find out exactly what was going on. His son was there, a, a man that used to attend this church. Uh, he looked at his son and said, uh, I need to get my spiritual house in order. He accepted Christ in the hospital that night. Praise God. Uh, with that, uh, Cindy had gone home with her brother and spent the night at their mom and dad's house, and I took the boys home, and I was laying in bed, and it, I was so convicted that, that I talked a lot about making sure that my kids knew who God was, but I was not living the life that showed who God was in so that evening, uh, laying in bed, I just cried out to God. Uh, I mean, there were, uh, I, I had a drinking problem. Uh, I, I looked at pornography then. I had a super foul mouth. I, I did all kinds of things that construction guys, quote, did. And, and I told God that if you'll accept me for who I am and take away from me what you want out of my life, uh, then I surrender all to you. Amen. And I woke up the next morning and didn't realize it, but God had performed a miracle in me. Uh, 
took the taste of alcohol away from me. Uh, my, my, my language changed overnight. And when I went back to work, I had expressed to this friend, a good friend of mine, what had taken place in my life. And, you know, we, we used to, like I said, we, we worked every day together. We, we spent Sundays going out working overtime together. And I told this crew that I was no longer going to uh, sacrifice my Sundays, that, that I needed to be in church, that I needed to be the man that God had called me to be. And that went on for about three weeks. And one Monday morning, on the way out to the job, me and this gentleman were talking, and he just uh, lit me up one side and down the other, saying what a hypocrite I was because I was no longer doing what we said we would do together, you know, to party and to hang out and to do all these things. And I said, listen, God has changed me from the inside out. I'm not going to do what the old Andy used to do. And that relationship was severed for, for 20 years. I mean, we, we still talked, uh, but we, we have never been the close friends because... I had to count the cost, and that's exactly what we were told to do in this verse is to count the cost, and I was going to give up this friendship uh, because there was no convincing him this is what had to happen. I had to live the life uh, that God has called me to live, and that's my challenge to you. So uh, let's, let's go on in, in verse 34. It says, salt is good, but if salt loses its taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for soil or for the manure pile. It's thrown away. So what is being said here? In, in Revelations 3, 15 through 17, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm I neither and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I think it's very clear that if we're not picking up our cross daily and following Christ, we lose our ability to be effective. Christ and I can say this as long as I've been here at this church uh, the leadership team and the pastors have made it very clear we could care less how many people attend this church we're more concerned about your spiritual well-being than we are the number of people that come in part of being a disciple is the Great Commission Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. And hold, behold, I am with you always 
to the ends of the ages. Amen. To continue on there, earlier we uh, discussed large crowds. Now we're talking about salt. A small amount of tasteless salt mixed with anything is worthless. He said it would even ruin manure, which has value. Those of you who plant gardens, you know that. God does not want tasteless, lukewarm, so-called followers. As he turned and addressed great, the great crowd, cannot help how many of them will end up in hell. We can be large in number, and and like Andy said, um, you know that's our focus here. Not large in number, but where you're at in your in your walk. Um, so even here at Crossroads, but if we're not salty, if our hearts are not are not enthralled with God, with Jesus. We are useless, as useless as that tasteless room in the pile. He has no use for us. And, and I just want to tell you that God has made you wonderfully. He knows you. He doesn't want that. And the elders here, uh, the leadership here doesn't want that either. So that brings us right into the, the final part of that verse on 26. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Is this a warning or a challenge? Either we understand this or we choose to ignore it. Because if we call ourselves followers, we all hear it. Are you hearing what God has to say to you? I think part of this is saying, let's take our eyes off the person next to us and do what God is asking us to do. Because when God is asking me to do something, John can't do it. I, God wants me to do it. And if he's asking you something, don't worry about what the next guy is doing. Follow God's lead. Uh, Romans 8, 6. says... For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Amen. So we have a few questions for you guys. Have you really counted the cost of what it is to be a disciple of Christ? And what stuff do we have a tight grip on today? Amen. What would it look like if we stopped looking at other people and just looked to God for everything. And the fourth one is, is it obvious to God that he is our focus? I'm going to leave you with one other thing and then we'll pray and move on. Um, for a follower of Jesus, your love for him should make your closest relationships in this world seem like hate in comparison. It is obvious that God's word instructs us to love, care for, honor our parents, and not to hate. We need to do this while Jesus is our focus. When our, hearts, when our heart is enthralled with Jesus, we know how to best love, care for, honor our parents, spouses, children, grandchildren, friends, neighbors, and ourselves. Then our love for them is even greater 
Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for what you laid on John's heart and my heart. And I, I want, if, if there's a soul here that has taken their eyes off of you, I pray that they will uh, stop looking at other people and, and truly look to you for everything in their life. And if there's anybody here that has not accepted you as their personal savior, I pray that before they walk off of this lawn, that they would reach out to anybody that's been up here and let's, let's make that right. Uh, and, I, and I thank you for sending your son to pay the price for each one of us. And that, that he endured every uh, trial that we have ever thought we could endure and he did it without sin. So I thank you for him. Amen. Amen.